Live from the ACU of Texas Studios, it's time for Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. Yeah. What is up? Welcome on in. This is Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. So happy to have you guys in with us the first of the month. Got a lot to talk about today. Of course, unfortunately, those Houston Rockets uh, have been eliminated. Not going to have much to talk about the Rockets, at least for the next couple months. Uh, But got a good show today. Going to talk a little bit about the Rockets, of course, Astros, and then the NBA Finals kicking off. And on our last segment, make sure everybody stay tuned tuned, because we have got some big news, Trina, uh, coming from Trina. Woo, oh, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. But also, I want to welcome in one of our guests. Uh, we have got a very special guest in here today. Chuck from Chuck Sports Bar and Memorabilia is joining us. He owns that bar down in League City. Going to talk a little bit about those Rockets and Astros. Chuck, thanks so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me here. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to uh, discussing some uh, some deep sports thoughts here. So. We are glad to have yes, you here Yes, we are. That is for sure. I came in this morning. He had a notebook full, ready to talk about some stuff. So I know. I, he makes me feel I know. I'm on, I'm on my toes. <laughs> right now i gotta i gotta you know be on my game here so but of course we'll kick it off talking about those rockets that last week going into friday uh rockets were actually up three two we were a little wary of that chris paul injury uh looks like uh, you know that played a big factor in it of course on saturday um in oakland lost 115 to 86 after being up 17 points and game seven on monday was a heartbreaker 101 92 a shot, of course, 0 of 26 during that stretch, and uh, during that stretch from three, uh, historically bad shooting nights. So, unfortunately, those Rockets have been eliminated. But I just kind of want to start off, get you guys' opinion of, of what you saw there on Game Seven. Was it one of those historically historically choking, uh, you know, Houston uh, Houston narratives, or was it just the Warriors were the better team? I didn't know what was going on. Will I had I figured okay. We're at home. We have the home court advantage. Uh, game seven, you know, it's all or nothing. Here it is right here. This is what everybody's been waiting on all season. Golden State and the Rockets. Mm-hmm. This was the team that the Rockets went in thinking that they were, well, prepared to beat for the finals. Okay. Started out great first half. Mm-hmm. Third quarter, Golden State Warriors. Yep. From there, it was just over. Yep. Just yep. W- w- I'm sorry. Well, uh, Warrior Ball is uh, all about third quarter. Mm-hmm. I think yes, that, it uh, is. is is well known. I think that um, when you look at Daryl Morey and the, uh, the impact he's had as far as making this team up, it was to beat the Warriors. However, when you pick up a street free agent as your sixth or seventh guy off the bench mm-hmm. in green, that shows a little bit of a problem that you have. Um, injuries notwithstanding. But when Chris Paul was out, I think we all kind of maybe felt that this would be a long, long uh Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it just it felt like when Chris Paul went out, you know, they really didn't have another ball handler on the court that could really right. share the load with James Harden. And, you know, of course, you know, James Harden uh, should be the MVP and everything, but it just seemed like it was a little too much of uh, the workload. And then not to mention, you know, I never want to be that guy, but, there you know, the refs, the refs did not help us out at all, at least in Game 7. And uh, I get that, Will. I get that the refs didn't help out, but, I mean – if you think about it, when James Harden shot those three threes back to back, and the refs did not call a foul, why would you continue to shoot uh, three pointers mm-hmm. if you're not getting the foul call? Like, go in, you're fast player on the court, you can yeah. draw the contact, you can, you know, get a three point play the old fashioned mm-hmm. way, like they say. So yeah, well, I, I think that uh, there was a twelve point, I think it was a twelve or thirteen point swing when you think about it. So mm-hmm. if you get fouled on the first one, should have been a four point play. Right. Curry went back for a three, mm-hmm. so that was seven right there, and then the next three was fouled, and uh, I think Thompson hit a three, so that was thirteen points. Uh, you know we. 
we can't discount the, the, the referees as well. I, I put something on the site about, uh, you know, we can't cry about it. But right. the thing is, is that you always fear these conspiracy theories. And yes. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know that you're going to have a rough time. Yes. And I and I saw an interview with uh, Tim Donahue. You know, and, I, and of course, you can't discount the fact that the Rockets shot 15% from three-pointers. Terribly. Or 7 of 44. I mean, you can't expect to win under those circumstances. But again, like I said, the, war, uh, the refs definitely didn't help out at all. And Tim Donahue, a former ref who's actually been I think he's gotten in a little bit of trouble for uh, yeah. placing some bets um, in the past. He was on, I believe, the Josh Ennis show, and he made a point saying that the league probably showed those referees a lot of James Harden's plays, you know, pointing out, saying, hey, these are not fouls. You guys need to call this carefully. So it might have been a case where these guys were just a little on edge, make sure they want to make the right calls. But unfortunately, it seems like they definitely, as you said, missed quite a few, uh, oh, quite yeah. a few calls. And they did, and, and you don't expect that when you have home court, especially when you have home court, the advantage is on your side. So you don't expect too many calls to be mm-hmm. missed in back-to-back. Like, that was consecutive. Yeah. You know, absolutely, yeah, and of course, the I mean, I think the dagger for us was that O of twenty six shooting stretch where mm-hmm. I was saying before, you know, telling you guys before, it was a one in seventy two thousand chance basically that That's something crazy. like that could happen, um, you know, go that bad from the you know from the court. But of course, all that being said, the Warriors do move on. But now I got to ask you guys, I mean, what's next for the Rockets? I'll let you take this one. Well, uh, I guess we got to see what happens in the finals here. Everybody's talking about LeBron James. I think what needs to be done is uh, get refocus as, a, as an organization to see where you are with James Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, I put up with a lot of uh, feedback from fans at the bar about uh, James Harden being a choker, but let's let's remember one thing here. Akeem Olajuwon didn't win his first NBA championship until he was 30. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah, that's right. So it was nine uh, – actually – 10, 11 years into his career. James Harden's still young. He's 28 mm-hmm. years old. Uh, I think if you build around him still, you can win one. And oh. they got really close. So I don't think there's a, a there's a, a mystique about him being a choker. I don't think that's true. I think that's unfair, especially when he finally gets his one superstar to work with him on it. We need a Clyde Drexler to get the, the second uh, of back-to-backs with Akeem. So very rarely we have somebody take uh, take you all the way with just one person. LeBron James may be, may be the exception. I'm sure we're going to talk about that uh, pretty soon. Oh, but yeah. uh, I think that they got to stay the quo, um, see what LeBron does. There's no shame in getting three superstars. they got four all-stars on that, on that Warrior team. Mm-hmm. That's what it takes now. Oh, so yeah. if you have to buy it, you have to buy it. Okay, in my opinion, I, I honestly think that I was one of those people at the beginning of the season where I was like, I don't know how this Chris Paul and James Harden deal is going to work. But when it came down to the wire, you seen that Chris Paul bought that leadership. Um, I understand that he's like down to the end of his career, and I, I don't know how, how long he'll be able to withstand those injuries. But I do see them kind of going in another direction as far as getting another point guard that can you know provide leadership when Chris Paul is out. Uh, with an addition to LeBron, depending on how this final season series go he's going to be a free agent I don't see him not coming as well if you know if this is the team that took the award can take the Warriors down certainly yeah and we'll get to that yeah in a little bit about what we think about LeBron's future when we talk about uh, what's going on with the NBA finals Uh, you know first off I think priority first is re-signing this core they still have a lot of work to do you know it's not as simple I think at this point as just getting another guy in there Uh, if you look at it they've already got 80 million dollars on the books for next year and that's not even including Chris Paul or uh, Clint Capella now Clint Capella is a restricted free agent and I think they'll have probably about 
120 million, I think some, somewhere around that they'll have to play with. So you know, if they're going to construction, you know, construct something, you know, if they want to get a LeBron, if LeBron's even willing to come here, I know. And there's also talks another guy that I think would be a really good, uh, really good fit here if he if he wants to come here is Paul George. But a lot of those, a lot of those are going to take some sign and trade, uh, you know, some sign and yeah. trades. Uh, you know, you saw it a few years ago with uh, Chris Bosh and and uh, retain Chandler Parsons after he took the three-year, I think, $50 million deal with the Mavericks. Basically, it took the Rockets having to construct a lot of moves, and it was all contingent on getting Chris Bosh, and then they had to sign sign, uh, Chandler Parsons after that as a restricted free agent, and they could go over the salary cap. So, you know, you pointed to it earlier, Daryl Morey. I mean, he's been one of the best GMs in the NBA. If anybody's going to be able to pull pull some moves like that, I definitely think he can do it. But it just seems like there's a lot of work to be done and of course I'm, I'm with you guys I think they have to get another star in there they yeah. have to get somebody else there and there's no and like you said Chuck there's no shame in getting another superstar I mean basically you know the Warriors have four superstars and they seem almost unbeatable <laughs> right. at this point they're yeah. dynasty three, right now three possible Hall of Famers on the court mm-hmm. at one time I mean that's that's right. almost insurmountable um, I think Daryl may have to bite the bullet a little bit and uh, not re-sign or sign and trade Capella I think that's a dime mm-hmm. a dozen uh, position I know that you probably know because you, you uh, I have so. one to see Capella come back though he just and seems like that catalyst though he's yeah the, he's it's like he's the perfect fit for what they're doing and the fact that he's getting a chance to get that that uh mentorship under the the dream I, I love Capella and what he brings to the Rockets if I you, just love it if you had to make a sign and trade Capella to get James would you not do that I mean you can't I, really go against yeah. it, but yeah, I mean, if, if yeah, if that's if that's the if that's it, yeah, I have to say yes. Of yeah. course, you take you so take James. the money. You're yeah. the captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. It. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, there there is still a scenario where they get Capella. It's just Capella has to be last on the to do yeah. list essentially, because again, him being a restricted free agent under the bird uh, the bird rule or bird law, they can go over the salary cap to mm. re-sign him or match whatever offer. Which I'm sure some team out there is going to be willing to give him oh, a max they, contract. It's been Phoenix. Just, Phoenix been talking about getting them and I think they're going to be a playoff team mm-hmm. next year with Devin Booker all those young guys they're, they're, they'll be Josh really Jackson yeah, that's yeah. A, that is a really good young core over uh-huh. there so as a restricted free agent though they if they sign them they lose a choice a draft choice correct mm-hmm. yeah so, I believe so, yes. so what is that choice at this point because Phoenix so you're talking about what Phoenix correct yeah so Phoenix is uh, what they have the second or third or first uh, first, first yeah so, yeah I think yeah something like that now is are it they willing, <clears throat> are they willing to give that up yeah so I mean yeah and now is that, is that is that that draft pick, I'm I'm not too sure on the rules. Is it this year's? Is it this year's draft, or do you know? Is it next year's draft? I think it's this year's. Draft. It's this year's. Okay, yeah. So then there you go. That's an that's another key factor in it to yeah. you know to take into it's account. It's gonna be interesting in this off season. Yeah, it really is. Like I said, I mean, there's gonna be a lot to do, and I mean the other the other way we can free up some money too as well. You know, going in, going into next year, of course, they've got to find a way to get rid of Ryan Anderson's contract. Uh, oh yeah, the third Goodbye, highest. Goodbye, Ryan Anderson. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if if we can get anybody to take it, it just seemed it seems strange that the third highest play player on the Rockets. I mean, I don't think he cracked eight minutes, uh, eight minutes of court time on there for 20, yeah, for $20 million a year. But yeah, and I mean, uh, something else, I mean, you know, I I meant to ask this at the beginning. I mean, if Paul had played, I mean, is there really a whole lot? I mean, does, does there have to be a superstar or can this team, you know, maybe add some depth on the bench, get another ball handler, uh, one of the, uh, you know, one of those moves. I mean, is that enough to beat the Warriors at this point? We have to have another ball handler. If you noticed in game seven, 
the Warriors noticed that there were no ball handlers on the court and they harassed Eric Gordon. He's not a primary ball handler at all. I mean, he does what he does. He's a great scorer, but the Warriors took advantage of that and they began to start trying to trap you know every guy mm-hmm. that touched the ball and they that little weakness makes a difference mm-hmm. that's why I, I thought pat bev was a good backup when he was here in houston mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah i mean pat bev pat bev always seemed, it seemed to bring, to bring that uh energy mm-hmm. and you know of course uh you know but yeah at this point i don't know i mean I, like i said i'm not sure there has to be a move for another superstar or, some, or anything like that just they, they really need to retain this core i i believe and maybe of course add some depth i mean there will be some guys on the market but, you know, and I'll, I'll ask the same question to you, Chuck. I mean, with this team, with Chris Paul, is this a team good enough to beat the Warriors, say, next year? I think they're they're good enough, but they're older, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a big problem. Um, you got to do something with the bench. The bench was a non, non-factor. Yes. And you get one injury, you had three people, yeah. like you said, three players to take up for Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gordon was out of his element with the uh, the ball handling, as you yeah. as, like as you know, because you play. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> you know, when you when you put somebody outside their comfort zone, you can see it. Mm-hmm. And as a competitor, you see yeah. it. And it's like uh, blood in the water for a shark. So, taking advantage of it. Yeah, and as far as the pet Beverly, I mean, that's that's a diamond in the rough that you found by, mm-hmm. by mistake from Russia. Um, but he also was included to get Chris Paul. Right. Yep. So you really can't. Cool. Yeah. Can't. Uh, depend on that but you know what though I mean it is what it is and I hate that expression but I mean you're going to have to get somebody here mm-hmm. the one thing we need to have happen is the Warriors do win two mm-hmm. reasons number, number one because uh, they beat us obviously mm-hmm. here yep, yep. oh yeah and that makes LeBron James reevaluate what he wants to do mm-hmm. I am not a privy to say no to anybody coming here that could be the greatest player of all time oh yeah, yeah absolutely you most definitely mm-hmm. yeah most definitely yeah and I think of course with LeBron James coming here you know that the whole conversation seems to be is you know how is it going to work you know LeBron being a primary ball handler but I you know I, I don't have too many worries about that that was the same questions we had about Chris Paul and James Harden when they first came here so I'm sure they can make it work these guys play on USA basketball team together yeah absolutely so I'm not I'm not worried about that and yeah I agree yeah of course if LeBron James says hey I want to come to Houston which it sounds like Chris Paul has already begun the recruiting which mm-hmm. I'm not sure how that's working with they the wanted NBA to play Finals. together right before the end of their career yeah, so. yeah absolutely they have the what well, I think they call them the banana boat uh the banana boat crew where <laughs> in a few off seasons ago it was chris paul and lebron james carmelo anthony and Dwayne wade yeah. all together so i'm sure they've always wanted a chance to play together and that may they may have that opportunity here it's just you know if if lebron says he wants to come here what who are we going to lose what's going to happen to the bench which mike d'antoni might not even be be you know mad about losing some bench guys because uh, he's, he's been, not no I, I you know what here's what we do you you do what it takes to sign all three of those guys, all right? And then we are the bench. I'm literally you are on it. We're signing for the minimum. <laughs> there you go. We're signing for the minimum. We're oh, yeah. You know, what? I'll pay the minimum. <laughs> I don't care you because you know what? You got to get that dynamic in here. And uh-huh. the, like we're talking about Harden, and everybody says about his winning or lack of uh, winning attitude or aggressiveness. That's what you need here. Mm-hmm. Look what LeBron James did last night, mm-hmm. almost by himself. Oh, yeah. So you need that, and that'll rub off. Chris Paul rubbed off very well this year oh, with yeah. the team. So maybe it's just another step. I that, think the only two guys they may bring back off the bench from next year is Eric Gordon and maybe Gerald Green. I think you still continue to work with Gerald Green because he is a good addition off the bench. He does good um, with the rebounding, even though he, you know, scoring was inconsistent in the playoffs, but I think those two guys you bring back for sure for the bench. Yeah, and of course we'll see. I mean, if they get another superstar like LeBron James, you might see what they did with Miami Heat, bringing in a lot of guys on the veteran minimum 
contract. A lot of guys that are ring chasing. But it'll be interesting to see how this uh, offseason shakes out for the Rockets. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about that over the summer. Uh, coming up in a little bit, we're going to be talking a little bit about the NBA Finals. And as I said, stay tuned. Trina has got a big announcement in the last segment. But you're listening to Wildcard Sports with Will and Trina on Vinyl Draft Radio. Listen or watch previous episodes in our audio and video archives. Just go to VinylDraftRadio.com. Just look for Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. Welcome back on in. This is Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this Friday. Uh, I always say it. This is my favorite time of the week. I get an hour to talk about sports. Nothing beats that. Uh, as always, I'm bo- uh, joined by my co-host Trina, and as well, we got a very special guest in here, Chuck from Chuck Sports Bar and Memorabilia, uh, located down in League City. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about sports, kind of getting some opinions on where the Rockets are going to be going next year uh, after their heartbreaking loss in the Western Conference Finals uh, to the Golden State Warriors. But that being said, it's now mo- time to move on to the NBA Finals. And if anybody out there watched it last night, they saw one heck of a game. Uh, an overtime win for the Golden State Warriors in Game 1 of the NBA Finals, 124-114 in overtime. LeBron James set a career high, playoff high with 51 points, yet still wasn't able to pull out the win. And, you know, of course, there was a little bit of drama there at the end of the game. Uh, you know, towards the end of the game, the Cavs had the opportunity to, for two free throws when they were down one uh, to go up. They made the first free throw, missed the second one. J.R. Smith got the rebound, and... What happened after that, nobody knows. That was just one of the biggest blunders. J.R. Smith dribbled it out. I guess he must have assumed that the t- that the score was tied, right? I mean, there was no clear indication <laughs> as to what was going on there. But, there, ha- I mean, what did you guys see? Okay. Great game. Way to open up the finals. Mm-hmm. Way to open up the finals. I give them that. The game went back and forth. It was, it was an amazing game. Um, I don't think nobody even expected Cleveland to be that close or to win a game in this series. Um, but when you have Kevin Love coming back, a guy like that, um, and then the end of the game, mm-hmm. J.R. Smith, I don't know what he was thinking, if he even was thinking. He had an opportunity to go back up and possibly win that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether he drew the foul or not, um, I heard in the press game interview he said um, he wanted to pull it out, and that was that. But, I mean, with four seconds remaining in the mm-hmm. game, you go back up. I don't care if you miss it, you get a shot attempt off. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, Trina, with your experience then, uh, I know you're – Adrenaline would uh, would take over at that point, but you also just broke a huddle, and uh, you know you talked strategy. You know what you're going to do. Um, I think we'll never see something like that again. To be honest with you, that's just something that never happens, even mm-hmm. in high school level or lower. Yeah. Um, he 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 said in a uh, a follow up presser that uh, he he knew mm-hmm. that the uh, tie was a uh, score uh, score was tied and that he was yeah. waiting for a timeout. So they're they're circling the wagons right now to protect their own. Oh yeah, and I get that. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know we got to see. Are they going to recover? Are they going to uh, uh, you know take yeah. this as a building block or can you can yeah. you recover? The the press game interview with LeBron James Ooh. that was crazy. They kept like digging at mm-hmm. him and trying to find the reason trying to get of him why. to throw JR under the bus. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that's an awesome teammate and an awesome guy in the organization when you have a guy that you know backs his guy up like I'm not going to go out like that and I'm not going to let y'all divide our team with the media because in the media it's so easy for you to say one thing and they'll just twist it up. Mm-hmm. And so for LeBron to protect his guy he basically got up and left the uh, press 
press yep. conference interview. So yeah, and I mean, you, I think you saw J.R. Smith say on the court, I, "I didn't know what the score was." Yeah, saw you him saw it. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. yeah, they were protecting their own. He and thought he, they were up. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, or yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, they, that he thought they were up. But you know, that being said, of course, they went to overtime. Uh, you know, Warriors. Put on uh, put on another three point barrage, of course, and ended up winning by ten points. Uh, going back before that, of course, there was that controversial play where they initially called a charge on Kevin Durant on LeBron James, or a charge on Kevin Durant. They went to the monitor, turned that around, called it uh, you know called it a shooting foul. Kevin Durant went there, so there was a lot of controversy in there. But I don't know; it just seemed to me like that was the Cavs' chance. I think you know I I'm yeah. not sure I'm not sure we can see another performance at least from guys like Kevin Love and, and players like that. Now on LeBron, the road is. Especially, they haven't been a very good team on the road. Uh huh. Yeah, and then LeBron James, of course, coming out there and put up 51 points as a playoff high. Uh, and, and on top of that, the Cavs did rebound, out rebound the Warriors 53 to 38. So it just seemed like it was it was one of those golden opportunities for the Cavs. But who knows? This may be one of those series where LeBron James just shows his greatness on that one. But either way, I kind of want to move on and ask you guys. So, if win or lose, <laughs> either way, what does this do for LeBron's legacy? Oh, here goes Will. I'm just you know saying. what, Chuck? I'm going to let you go first because I have no idea okay. what you're going to say. So, uh, yeah, the mystery is of what my opinion is. Okay, so I've seen, um, growing up, I've seen Michael Jordan play in his prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm a little older than you guys. <laughs> um, I've, seen cool. him, I, <laughs> I've seen him uh, put a team on his back. I've also seen him uh, work with superstars as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I will have to say that I always thought that he was the best player ever to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an ultra competitor. Um, very talented as far as his uh, athletic ability. However, I will say this. I will say we had two goats last night. Mm-hmm. Okay, One's the greatest of all time with LeBron James. And then we have one that wore the horns last night but making a bad decision on the uh, mm-hmm. on holding the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the greatest of all time, I think if, if LeBron can somehow pull this series off, I will step aside and say he's the best ever. Because I always thought that Jordan was the best ever. Yeah. yeah. But if he pulls this one off, I will have to say he's the best player ever. Yeah. I just yeah I don't think there's okay. any, I don't think there's any argument if if he it's, wins this I mean Michael never beat a team this good I, I mean in the it, finals well, I get it I'm not I'm not gonna say Michael's the greatest of all time I'm, I am gonna say Michael was the greatest in his era I'm gonna say LeBron's the greatest in his era and right now will I think I told you this a couple weeks ago. I love LeBron right now because he's doing everything right now in his career that they said he couldn't do a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. They said he couldn't do these things. He couldn't close out a game. He couldn't hit shots. He couldn't shoot threes. He's being consistent in everything he's doing. And when you beat a team in uh, Indiana, seven-game series, and then you go on to the next round and you sweep the Toronto Raptors and you almost still game one in the, in the NBA Finals this year with a team that's you know mm-hmm. that's not even compared to what he had had in previous years you you kind of say okay okay yeah. lebron might just be the goat yeah i just <laughs> say i think i think lebron has gotten a bad rap it's almost like he's been punished for going to the finals so many times and losing but i mean if you look like i said if you look at the you know resume of michael jordan and lebron james at least their finals resume you know michael jordan he you know he always gets the you know never went to seven games he always won in six games but I'm sorry. I don't think Michael faced any. Uh, you know, Michael faced any team that was even close to 
to any of the teams that LeBron faced in the finals, maybe outside of the Dallas Mavericks. But I mean, if you go back, the Spurs, the Spurs, those are all-time great franchises. Uh, you know, of course, the Golden State Warriors might be some of the greatest teams ever. And and then on top of that, uh, you know, he did beat a really good Oklahoma City team with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. But then you go back and you look at Michael's teams that he beat in the finals, which I feel like is the you know number one calling card is you know not going to seven. You know, he beat an aged Showtime Lakers, beat a Portland Trailblazers team that only had Clyde Drexler. Uh, I think was the other. Well, I mean, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. now the, the Blazers they had uh, Clyde Drexler, Duckworth, and they also had Kersey. They're all three All Stars. You can't take that away. Okay. So I mean, you know, you can't forget about that. Okay. Uh, I, so th- those are some good teams here, and don't forget, there's you know one Hall of Famer, two Hall of Famers on one team and one on the other. So that's pretty evenly. You okay. Can't, you can't you can't really penalize that. Okay. I'm, I'm not penalizing. I'm not penalizing. Undefeated, right? He's undefeated. <laughs> yeah, he is undefeated. I'm not penalizing that. I'm just saying. Do you, I mean? Okay. What was the best team that Michael uh, that Michael faced in the finals? Probably those Jazz team. Would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay. That Jazz team. I mean, if you stack them up against any of the San Antonio teams that uh, that LeBron played, or any of the Golden State Warrior teams that he played. I mean, which team? What team are you taking? The Utah Jazz or the Golden State Warriors or those San Antonio Spurs teams? Well, like you said, the errors come into play, but let's not let's not start <laughs> thinking that way because you're taking away the validity of the championship. The man went up and is undefeated. Was he six? Six, six uh, yeah, six and zero. Oh, six or, and zero. Oh. Yeah, uh-huh. Now, if LeBron loses this, he's three and six, correct? Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why you, uh, the, the competition. You may think it's better, but you got to remember it's different error. But I tell you what, if you put either one of those players into their situations, they're just the, they're the best player either way, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, that's how I that's how I look at it now. Like, okay, now I give, you know, the kids now, man, they are having the opportunity now to witness that greatness. Just like we didn't, we didn't really get a chance to witness Dr. J. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like in every in bite every your tongue, time, I saw Dr. J. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know, speaking for me, Will, but <laughs> we, you know, we're we're getting a chance to see that, and I think that is so awesome because mm-hmm. I think next will come like the Donovan Mitchell and the Ben Simmons. They'll, you know, they'll be the guys for the future, mm-hmm. and I think that that is so amazing. We're witnessing LeBron at greatness right now in 15 years. Mm-hmm. He's doing everything that they said he couldn't do early in his career, and he's at the end. He's dunking like he just came into the league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his, I mean, his, you know, physical transformation over the years has been incredible. I mean, coming from Miami, where he was a big, bulky guy, and then basically just kind of reinventing himself, which I think they say he spends upwards $2 of two million dollars a year on, a, on his body. It's pocket change. Yeah, there yeah. You go for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that being said, of course, now you know we talked about Game One, and you know, you Chuck, you said if he wins this series, you think that you think he's probably going to be considered the greatest of all time or at least you would consider him that well i mean do you see the cows do they have any chance in this series uh, that's a good question because um I, I went back and forth about that even this morning before we went on the show um i think they they have to win the next game we all oh, know yeah. that right captain oh, yeah. obvious here mm-hmm. but uh, i think that uh they everybody forgets that they did scare the warriors mm-hmm. oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. the warriors right now they may talk like uh, you know we won the game but you notice that on their interviews they're like well you know uh, we put up they put up a good fight i think mm-hmm. in the back of their mind they just got through fighting the rockets without chris paul mm-hmm. for two games mm-hmm. and now they're in this dogfight with with lebron and uh, the cavs so i think that they are kind of uh, concerned not as brash as they used mm-hmm. to be yeah. but we'll go back to this and i'll say this for the last 3 years this golden state warriors team is probably one of the best teams ever to play the game, regardless of what era. So you can't deny what they can do, but I'll tell you one thing is uh, that their quarter barrage that usually 
mm-hmm. pour on Cleveland. They really didn't pour on. Oh, so, no, no. Yeah. So they're, they're worried about it. So I, I think that my prediction is I think they're going to come back and win the next game by three. Really? Wow. Okay. Yep. So that's a, yeah, that's, by a, three. that's a big prediction. And I mean, yeah, if they win that, I mean, it's a series. It is absolutely a series. Trina, what do you think? I don't necessarily know if the Cleveland Cavs will win it in Golden State for the next round, but I do not see them losing two in a row once they get home. They mm-hmm. uh, regather themselves. I think next game is going to be tough for the Warriors as well because they are scared of Cleveland right now. Not scared, but, you know, they didn't blow them out mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. They were down in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. So it, it was going back and forth. So, I mean, I see this going to another seven-game series for Ooh, okay. the Warriors, and um, Law of Averages put them on this side because they haven't been to seven-game game series so back to back for them we'll get to you know test who they really are yep and yeah well there you have it it'll be interesting to see how it turns out of course lebron james is going to have to pull something out again uh, so they don't come out flat but uh coming up we're going to be talking a little bit about those houston astros and then later on again just want to remind you again trina has got a big announcement <laughs> in the last segment uh, but you're listening to wild card sports with will and trina on vinyl draft radio Wild Card Sports with Will and Trina. happy to have you guys with us got a special guest chuck from chuck sports bar and memorabilia and as well of course trina my co-host has always been talking a little bit about basketball uh the houston rockets unfortunately season's over and breaking down those nba finals and you know it was just me telling y'all how lebron james is the goat here goes will here goes come on about the gang up there (laughs) There not yet not yet well hey it's it's all right because i feel like i've been ganged up on in the past with our previous guests so hey yeah there we go. Uh, but, of course, uh, you know, the Rockets did fail to get to that championship. Uh, one team that has not failed to get to the championship is those defending World Series champions, Houston Astros, uh, coming off a 4-2 victory last night to the Boston Red Sox. Now moved to 36-22 and on the year, uh, one game ahead of Seattle in the AL West. Um, and then all this ahead of a great pitching matchup tonight. Uh, got Garrett Cole versus Chris Sale for the Boston Red Sox. And then uh, that's 1-2 in the strikeout in the AL strikeout leaders right now uh, Garrett Cole I think leads all of MLB but the Astros you know despite having struggling offensively and really you know coming off a year last year we're going into the all-star break they had I believe three or four guys that had an OPS above 850 which is astronomical they really at this point only have one guy uh, Jose Altuve with an 851 OPS so really the offensive struggles um, have kind of showed up but that's basically been put by the wayside by probably the greatest pitching rotation of all time. Chuck, yeah, you're you're at the sports bar. I'm guessing all time all the time watching it. Yeah, how what is what it's been like for you watching this Houston Astros team come well, off a championship? It's, it's funny you mention that because a lot of uh, a lot of people are more comfortable now with the Astros. Uh, they they see what uh, they did last year as mm-hmm. far as adversity and, and coming together as a team and uh, building great staff. So I don't think the uh, the attitude is they're worried about it. We're just waiting. Mm-hmm. We're actually getting a chance to like the great teams, the 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 dynasties. Yankees, Boston Red Sox. We're waiting for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not too bad. Uh, I think that uh, the staff is good enough to make up for the offense, but oh, we always yeah. forget, though, that the Astros lead the league in run differential mm-hmm. one plus 162. Absolutely. So the thing is, is that we score in runs, but we're not scoring runs the way we need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as long as you got Verlander and uh, 
uh, and Cole, Cole and and, uh, and uh, Keichel, even Keichel. Yeah, we'll talk about him. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. And uh, and McCullers, I think you'd be all right. Certainly, yeah. I'm with Chuck. I think that you know, coming off a championship, like you kind of going through the season, you kind of like coasting and just not not so not necessarily slow coasting, but you're just like pacing yourself, pacing yourself mm-hmm. on this That's marathon. That's a good way to put it. Pacing yourself. Yeah, they're pacing themselves on this marathon, and then they know when the postseason comes, it's time to turn it back up. I mm-hmm. mean, to the max. So you got to remember, they didn't have that much of a break like these other guys. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about going into the season and just kind of finding your way and not necessarily re. Um, reinventing your identity but just trying to maintain it and just keep the guys together so when the playoffs come it, it's the chemistry is just off the walls like it was last year absolutely yeah and I mean of course it just you know it seems like a flip from last year where it was just you know an offensive barrage all the time and then you know our, our basically our pitcher that had the most innings pitch for the Astros last year was Mike Fires at I think like 160 so it's been a complete flip in the type of team that they are but you know Chuck you highlighted the run differential they're still still leading the league and if you look at their Pythagorean uh, win-loss record, basically, which is Bill James, who is this baseball guru, basically made this this stat that says that uh, you know run differential is a better indicator for the future win-loss. Basically, that number says the Astros should be something like forty-two and fifteen, which is just insane. So, I agree. I, I think I think you make a really good point, Trina. You know, just kind of getting that identity back and you know pacing themselves. So there's not really a whole lot to be worried about as far as that goes, in my opinion. But let's let's talk about that pitch staff my goodness this has been unbelievable the pitching staff of course made the trade last year for justin verlander since then he's you know been almost unbeatable as a houston astro and then as well in the offseason making a trade for garrett cole who garrett cole has done nothing but put up a 5-1 record with a 2.05 era and lead the al in strikeouts and you know it just it, you know it, it really makes me want the playoffs to start today just to see how this pitching <laughs> makes the season feel too long. I know it really does, but yeah, I mean, it, it, from I mean, from your years of watching the Astros, I mean, is this the best pitching staff you've ever seen? This is the best pitching staff I've seen since probably the '80s season when we had Ryan Necro, mm-hmm. uh, Jared Richard for the stroke. Um, but uh, I think that, uh, in, of course, the '86 staff was pretty pretty good. Mike, Mike Scott, Scott, yeah. You know? uh, but uh, the the thing is that. We haven't realized, we haven't had Justin Verlander for a full year yet. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a minute. We've mm-hmm. had him for basically two months plus now, mm-hmm. and then this season, another month and a half, two months. Um, he's put in that culture and uh, with that staff. Uh, Garrett Cole is now more comfortable. Mm-hmm. He's not the number one, so he can relax. Um, I think the problem is, and when I played baseball, and I played a little college baseball as well, is that when you get a staff that's that good, you kind of relax on offense. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. So your pitch is like, oh, you know, we, we don't have to score that many runs. And I think that's the problem with Justin this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we're buddies, Justin. <laughs> I mean, when you have a 111 ERA and you're 7-2, yeah. something's wrong there. So, you know, I think that, uh, I think like uh, Trina said, we're cruising right along. And uh, the machine is, is, is well-oiled, and mm-hmm. uh, we just need to get there. Um, like they said, the best indicator of where you are is after Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. And here we are and they're in good shot oh good absolutely shape. yeah and you know of course you know for the most part you know we talk about the offensive struggles they're they're starting to get back on track uh correa was coming off his worst month of his career i think he went over 10 until uh his first at bat last night when he hit a two-run homer uh you know like we said there was only one guy with an 850 plus ops uh marwin gonzalez there's been some guys that have struggled but really they've started to pick it up as of late and i think a big thing that's going to be huge for the astros in the upcoming year uh, or in this upcoming year is when uh kyle 
Kyle Tucker, the Astros' number one prospect, uh, gets called up. I really think he's going to lengthen out the lineup, uh, really kind of give it some depth. And I think I really don't think, of course, there's too much to be worried about on the uh, offensive side. But that being said, what I mean, I what is this Astros' weakness? Because I here we, here we go. I'm glad you yeah. asked that because you know what? If Kyle Tucker comes up here like we think he is, who moves? Well, so do you have yeah. you you, you got to move somebody? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We're not talking like send somebody down. Uh, we have to trade somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bullpen is a glaring weakness. Yes, it is it is? I mean, you should be able to win every game that the top three pitchers pitch when they score four mm-hmm. to five runs. There's no way you should give that up. So we've all, we saw some bad losses recently. Um, you always lose ten a year that you should not. Mm-hmm. You always win 10, you should not. Mm-hmm. That's a given. It's what you do in between. But these losses are really disturbing because even last night with the win, Giles did it again. Yep. He put a couple what? of buys on mm-hmm. base and we're all having heart attack at the uh, at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we got to do something. So maybe you can move uh, an outfielder. I never like trading everyday pitch or everyday players for, for pitchers. Mm-hmm. But you know what? When you are the king of the hill, you can afford a few uh, questionable trades. But oh, yeah. we got to get that relief uh, staff uh, short up before the All Star break or a little after. Oh yeah, yeah. I think the Astros might be a little lax too because you know this might be one of the best pitching staffs they've ever had. So, I mean, it's it's all about them maintaining and just really just locking in and staying focused. And I mean, the leadership that Justin Verlander brings, I mean, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. What more can you say about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's definitely something that they'll I think they'll rely on down the stretch. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, as far as, you know, the lineup goes, uh, you know, again, I'm not too sure exactly what they'll do as far as, you know, trading guys. But, you know, I think it, it, when I say like getting Kyle Tucker or Lincoln them out, I just think it adds a bunch of options. Their biggest, you know, one of their biggest weaknesses in the lineup at this point has been their designated hitter position. Evan Gaddis has picked it up as of late. Marwin Gonzalez, I feel like, is picking it up a little bit as of late. Um, so, you know, you plug Kyle Tucker in, in a left field. That gives you some options at designated hitter. Left-handed guys, you know, uh, Evan Gaddis, you know, right-handed guys, you could throw Marwin Gonzalez. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Well, so what do you, where do you put him then? So if you put him in left field, then who's playing center? Who's playing center? I think it's Springer and then uh, Reddick and right. Okay, so then Marisna goes back to the bench? Yeah, I just... Yeah, yeah Marisna... So the thing goes with, back down? Yeah, I just... I'm not sure about Marisna. Marisna's <laughs> coming off a great year and I mean I think he's a great fourth outfielder but the thing they talk about with Marisnik is you know with his offensive struggles is he, he just you know his swing is just not there as far as it's very inconsistent and that's really what I think has led to a lot of his struggles you know they talk about it they say you know if you if you swing the bat 20 times I mean you want to have you know you want to have more perfect swings than bad swings you know in at least uh, practice but I read somewhere where it's saying like basically at this point like even in batting practice they're seeing Marisnik only you know have two or three of you know the yeah quality swings that you want to have so you know if he turns that around I mean his defensive ability alone is worth having well that's that's why they carry him and they would carry a 150 batting average because of that mm-hmm. but i mean eventually i mean we picked this guy off of waivers mm-hmm. so for his contribution from last year career year fantastic but i mean like eventually you got to make the hard call mm-hmm. so him and reddit got to probably end up going if you have tucker coming up because you're not going to play tucker just part-time only i no. think you slide him in there and go yeah it, yeah and i mean we'll, we'll see i mean it's going to be interesting i mean we're, we're going to wait till the you know super two date so basically the astros have another year of control for tucker when they call him up but yeah and, and then i want to go back to what you were talking about with the bullpen i mean of course at that at this point i think that has got to be the biggest thing that the astros are worried about uh you know as you said i mean you look you look at their bullpen a guy like ken giles is sporting a 4.5 era as their closer you know and everybody knows what happened last year in the playoffs in the in the world series just the absolute struggle of the bullpen all 
all the way through. Um, really couldn't find the guy out there to go out there and get them outs. But, uh, you know, I, I, you, there are there has been some revelations, I think, in the bullpen that are going to help coming down the stretch. Colin McHugh has been has been really, really good. Let me ask you really, about really that, good. then. Um, and get both y'all's opinion mm-hmm. about that. I, I, I have some kind of crazy notion that uh, if we can't find somebody on the on the trade block or mm-hmm. on waivers after the uh, – the post-trade uh, deadline. I mean, would it be bad to look at McHugh? Can he bounce back on a nightly basis? Because, you know, honestly, Peacock um, and um, Davinsky, they're, mm-hmm. they're playing out of their roles because of Giles. They're, they're, ho- oh, yeah. they're holding Giles by the hand here. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he's back from last year, I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, maybe there's something inside because I think that Forrest Whitley's off his suspension. Yes, see? yeah, 50, yeah, he served his 50-game suspension. So, yep. if he's off, I mean, we got to do something creative. we mm-hmm. got a lot of talent down there, but we just cannot afford to carry this guy through the All-Star break the way he is yeah it, it'll be interesting and i mean uh the other guy that i really think needs to start getting some looks is uh, hector radone hector radone uh we picked up from the white Sox. i mean from the cubs this year picked him up off a of free agency he's been sporting a 1.77 era and 20.1 innings i mean he's had experience being You're a closer as a closer he's been i just think he at least needs we need to give him a shot because he's been a closer in the past he was the closer for that cubs uh, World Series team until they got a Raldis Chapman throughout, uh, you know, halfway through the year or whatever. Uh, so, I mean, I really think well, he lo- deserves I'm, some looks. Okay, now look, if, if, if they liked him that much, mm-hmm. they would have got rid of Giles. Mm-hmm. So, there's something not fitting there. So, um, if you say you do that, let's say you slide him in. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what do you do with Giles? Well, at this point with Giles, I, I'm not sure I ever want to see Giles get another <laughs> inning in the playoffs. So I mean, I know it's I know it's hard to do that after that, how much they traded for him. But goodness, I just I, uh, I think I don't think they he would have been inserted by now. Mm-hmm. So that's the only problem I have. So I mean, if they if if they're comfortable with Giles, and I understand uh, AJ Hinch, you know I don't know what y'all think about him as a manager. Mm-hmm. I, I I think he's from the house of he's. he's uh, the Hall of Good. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not the Hall of Fame type manager. Hall of Good. Yeah, Hall of Good. <laughs> Ma- good. Yeah. Steve Kerr type kind of yeah. type guy, manager. Cool. Yeah. He's, he's a player's manager, but, uh, you know, some of the you got to let your starters go as long as they can. I hate to say that, but, mm-hmm. you know, why pull Justin Verlander at 100? 15 pitches in the sixth inning or with one out to go just just let him finish yep. yeah and that's the problem we're having with uh with his management style but yeah well it'll be interesting to see yeah of course i mean there are guys out there on the block um but i mean you know we're we're still we still got a little ways until the trade deadline and stuff so uh we'll see if maybe that bullpen can finally work itself out uh, maybe help us make a push um in the playoffs again to go for that repeat of the world series title but uh coming up here in the next segment make sure you stay tuned trina has a big announcement Welcome back on in. This is Wildcard Sports with Will and Trina. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. Uh, I want to say before we go on to our last segment, Chuck, thank you so much for joining us. This oh, has been awesome. awesome. Thank you, Chuck. Yes. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. Yes, Fantastic. it has been a blast. Yeah. All right, so if you've been listening before, we've been talking a little bit about the Astros, Rockets, uh, NBA Finals, but we've been leading up to this right here. Trina has a big announcement for us. Uh, Trina, <laughs> What's up, first What's up, first timers? <laughs> so I will be playing in the city of Houston this year. Um, this summertime, I will be playing. I signed to play with the Houston Galaxy, it's a professional women's uh, semi-pro um, minor league team, and I'm excited about that. 
Oh, Trina, this is so awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, Houston Galaxy, a part of the WML uh, LBA. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I know they basically had some, you know, I think last year was their first year, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it's awesome to see pro- women's professional basketball back in the city of Houston. Uh, ever since the Comets left, I know that's kind of left a little bit of a void yeah, in the city of Houston. So congratulations. It's so Thank awesome. Thank you, Will. Thank you. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit. You uh, Have you started practice yet? What are the games going to look like? We've actually been practicing for about a month now at mm-hmm. the Parallel Rec. Um, we're actually doing a thing where you guys can come out and meet and greet us on July 5th at the Parallel Rec at 8 p.m. Wow. So. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, everything has been great, man. Like, from practices, just learning each other, trying to get our chemistry down. Like, man, I'm playing with some really awesome girls right now. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, and then uh, what? Uh, when does the season kick off for you guys? Actually, our first game will be on the road in Dallas on Ju- June 16th, and then our first home game will be June 23rd at wow. 4 p.m. at the Paralympic Rig. Wow. So, Trina, I got a question for you. Uh, yeah. Uh, with the, as Will said, the absence of uh, professional basketball here in Houston, what, how did you keep mentally and physically sharp, uh, waiting for that call, waiting for somebody to, to send you an invitation to join a team? What do you do to, to maintain your fitness, both mentally and, uh, and physically? Well, I want to first give a shout-out to the Houston Blaze. Those are those guys trained me. Uh, shout-out to my coach, Coach Patrick. Um, man, the thing about being a professional basketball player is you always have to be ready. There is no you don't know when a call might come, so you you have to do your absolute best to stay in shape, to eat right, to just you know keep your mind frame right, because you never really know when it's going to happen. Meantime, like behind the scenes, things are taking place. If so you getting in contact with people, networking, and doing things like that to be prepared. So hmm. just working and training, and you know men- mentally, physically. Emotionally, spiritually, all that mm-hmm. plays a factor. Absolutely, yeah. And we've been uh, we've been following Trina, of course, uh, from the beginning, at least uh, <laughs> at least this year from the beginning. You know, coming uh, coming off your trip to Australia where yeah. you went there. Uh, I mean, how rewarding is it at this point to basically be getting this uh, this opportunity to play for a semi professional team here in the city of Houston, yeah. where you're from? So it's big for me, Will, because for the simple fact that last year was probably my hardest year. Mm-hmm. Last year was my hardest year. I dealt with um, my dad having a massive heart attack. So uh, you can imagine, mm-hmm. you know, just my mind just being everywhere at that time. And um, that was emotional for me. But like I said, when I left the trip from Australia, even going there and putting, you know, being blessed to be able to think outside of the box and get in that position, that kind of that kind of rechanged my whole, whole mind frame. And it just kind of like led me over to a state of gratefulness and, you know, just being grateful for the opportunity to be able to play in your hometown. Mm-hmm. It's special. Absolutely. What about uh, Trina? Uh, what can you say is your, your most rewarding part of your career? Can you tell me one season or, or maybe perhaps a moment of game? And what was one of your uh, most uh, challenging? My most... My most rewarding was when I first got the opportunity to play with the Harlem Globetrotters. Being a woman playing with a, a team full of guys, I mean, that was amazing. I mean, you don't think about it in that moment, but it's like when you go back and reflect on it, it's like... Not very many women can say that they did that. How long was that season for you? For me, you got to understand that I began training with them a year before I even got the call. Really? Mm. So that's why it was so rewarding. Having that faith and that diligence and, you know, just being prepared, dedication, hard work, sacrifice, all that, it played a factor into that big rewarding moment for me. So the most challenging, whoo, it's been, like I said, it was last year. Mm -hmm. You know, dealing with family issues that people don't think about as you being a professional athlete. They just see what you do on the court. Mm -hmm. So just dealing with that part of it and just trying to keep my mind right on continuing my goals and chasing my dreams. Mm -hmm. 
that was the most challenging. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to ask you this. Of course, this uh, you said you've been training with the Houston Galaxy for about a month now. Yeah. What? How's this competition in relation to the other competition that you faced throughout your career? For me, it's different because I'm like, I'm I'm 26 years old. Some of these girls are fresh out of college. Some of them are my age. Some of them are maybe a little bit older. Um, for me, I haven't lost anything. Uh-huh. I still have my speed. I still. But the thing is, now I'm a little bit more smarter in the game. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a little bit more smarter. I'm having the opportunity to go against these girls who are just as good as me. So you know, and that's you, challenging me every day. You're mentally sharp, so you remember what score of the game is at the end, right? Exactly. I'm no <laughs> J.R. Smith. Pull the LeBron. I'm no J.R. Smith. I'm going to go right back up with that ball. I don't care if I – I mean, you want to get that shot of Tim off. But anyway, saying all that to say, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more mature in the game. I think I've paid my dues when it came to taking so many losses. I know how it feels to lose. Mm-hmm. Have you had an opportunity to mentor any of these uh, young, young women that are – on your team at this point, have you had a chance to really just reach out to them and just give them some pointers? I haven't had a chance to to, to actually sit one-on-one and do that, but while we're in practice, I make sure I'm the best communicator that I can be, whether mm-hmm. that's on defense and talking and just talking after the game and just being myself and just, you know, just having fun with them, having a little bit more fun now. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. And, since, and since you've been playing with them, I mean, have you noticed as your game evolved in any type of way uh, to, uh, you know, to basically account for all these professional athletes yeah. that, that you're going up to on a daily basis? Yeah, for me, for me more so it was because the fact that I had went from high school to college, I had to learn how to be a point guard. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not going to be on this team as a point guard, but I can make classes like a point guard. I'm really? going to be a scoring guard, a two guard. So, I mean, that's really my game. I've, I've been a scoring point mm-hmm. guard throughout college. Mm-hmm. So for me, being able to see that, okay, I'm making passes that I know, whether they go through or not at that moment in practice, because I know we're still building chemistry, I'm seeing how to find my teammates. I'm seeing what they actually like. So for me, it's like just taking a step outside of myself and just letting the game develop. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that, that, of course, always seems like it's a big part of these guys that be, that seem like they're one step ahead of everybody else yeah. when it comes to basketball. They know where you know where their teammates are going to be. I mean, you know, going back to LeBron James when you saw it last night when oh, you yeah. drive and dish it out, you know, dish it out from the three point land. Uh, it just it seems like it seems like people with that you know court vision on there always seem to be the most successful when it comes to uh, when it comes to the professional yeah. ranks as far as that goes. So you know, we know you're going to kill it out there. I mean, it is going to be it's going to be fun. And you said June 23rd is June 23rd is our first home game at 4 p.m. at the Paraland Rick. Okay. And so how long is the season? How, how many home games can we come out there and watch you play? This season, it'll be four home games until the champion, the championship game will be in August. It's a short season, but, mm-hmm. I mean, summer ball is going to be great. I think uh, we'll have a great season. We'll be able to, you know, change some things around. We're organized, and um, I'm loving I – mean, we, we have we have good chemistry, like, as far as uh, liking each other and just really having a blast out there so just building that court chemistry is what's what is really coming down to and i think we're getting that kind of kind of quickly only being practicing for one month absolutely yeah and i mean of course chemistry yeah that's a huge thing when it comes to it you know comes to it um but yeah i mean we're going to be so excited i i I know i can't wait to actually go out there go out there and watch you play um which you said uh, once again there you're going to be playing at the pearland uh, pearland rec center the pearland rec center actually and on tuesday this coming tuesday june 5th they can come out uh 8 p.m meet and greet us at the Paralympic rig. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. So, of course, yeah, June, uh, you said June 5th, they can come out and they can come out and meet you guys. Uh, and then, of course, that yeah. first game, they said the 17th. Actually, the 23rd here. The, the, but but the first one in Dallas. Yeah, it'll be the 16th. 
June 16th. June 16th against Dallas. And one, uh, yeah, I just want to ask. So again, how many teams are going to be in the league? Uh, This is this is my first uh, run through with the WMLBA, which I can't wait to get professional basketball back here. So I know, um, just looking at it online, like uh, there there are plenty of teams in here in the state of Texas and in Georgia. Mm -hmm. I saw in South Carolina, but we'll be playing more Texas teams, so we'll be playing them. Back to back to back to back to back. So about four or five teams here in Texas. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, everybody, make sure that of course you come out throughout the course of this year. Watch Trina uh, again. Like I said, you know this is the second year of having prof- women's professional basketball back in the city yeah. of Houston. We're so excited. So and then of course, again, you said uh, you know later on this uh, this week, I guess coming up, you have a chance to actually go out there and meet Trina yeah. and the rest of the Houston Galaxy. Well, I want to take this time, of course, thank everybody else for uh, tuning in with us. Uh, been a fantastic show again. Chuck, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and of course, anytime, we would love to have you back on. Trina, of course, congratulations. This is so Thanks, awesome. Will. We're Thanks, so will. glad, or so happy for you. Can't wait to see you back out there um, in this, uh, you know, local, or this uh, WMLBA yeah, league and everything. So it is going to be awesome, of course. <laughs> yeah. But again, uh, I want to thank again everybody out there for tuning in. Been a fantastic show. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but make sure you tune in next week. We're going to have a little bit more for you on those Astros and then a little bit more on those NBA finals. But you've been listening to Wildcard Sports with Will and Trina. Bye, Brunch Timers. <laughs>